Hey guys, my name is Jordan Gussman. Um, most people probably know me as Goose. I'm a 26-year-old middle distance runner. I run for Tin Man Elite and Adidas. And I am the Maltese national record holder in the 3K, 5K and 10K. Hero. So, Asgin here. First first guest is Jordan Gussman, or as, as also well-known, Goose. And, uh, and yeah, it's supposed to have you on, man. And, um, Obviously, a, a member of a member of Tim Manley also, and a, a question that we always ask our first guests, which I, I don't know why this is, but just seems appropriate. Um, sort of like what what's what's the origin story? Like how how did you kind of get in get into the sport, and uh, and yeah, how did you start off running? Um, it's kind of not really the traditional story, I guess. Um. So when I was, I don't remember much of this, so I'm basing it basically off what my parents have told me. But um, as a young kid, maybe like two to five years old, uh, I basically spent most of the, the allergy months um, in the hospital with bad asthma attacks. Um, and I was living in Sydney at the time, which uh, I'm not sure if you London viewers know, but uh, it's a major city in Australia. Um, and it's probably the most populated city in Australia. So there's a lot of air pollution and that sort of stuff. Um, and I basically got to the age of four and the doctors suggested to my parents that I should get out of Sydney with the kid, um, maybe get somewhere on the beach, the salt air might help the asthma um, and just, you know, get him into some light exercise. And so my Dad's parents moved from Sydney up to a small beach town called Grindai Beach. Um, and my parents drove up to visit them and basically drove out onto, we have this lookout um, that just looked over the water and it's, it's very beautiful. Uh, and just, they just decided that it was time to move. Um, and so we ended up moving up and lived across the street from my grandpa who um, is he was a big part of my life and passed away last year. Um, so yeah, we moved up um, and we have a thing in Australia called Little Athletics, which basically you start at the age of five and I think it goes till under 17s or under 18s, but you have your, your basic competitions where there might be six or seven clubs involved and then you go on to regionals, which is, um, 30 or so clubs involved and then your, your state champ, nationals, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but once a week you go along to just your local clubs, little athletics meet, uh, and they basically put on three to five different events each week. And so you go around with your age group and you, you get to try all the events. So one week it might be hundred meter sprint, long jump, shot put, and then eight meters or something like that. And you just go around and do all of them and it lets you get a feel for which event works best. Uh, so my parents put my sister into that. Uh, she's a year younger than me. Um, and just chucked me in as well, just for the sake of it. And she was always the athlete until like 11 or 12. Um, she was definitely always better than I was. Uh, and I got to like the age of, I want to say, 10 and just really didn't need my asthma puffer anymore. And they got me into a few sports as well we have surf lifesaving uh which is basically like you you paddle board swim paddle like a kayak and do a little bit of running and um it's just like a a traditional australian sport i guess 
Um, so I was doing that. I was playing a little bit of soccer um, and just doing the athletics and just all of that combined with getting out of the, the city here, I guess, uh, helped strengthen my cardiovascular system. Ended up not needing my asthma buffer, which was pretty amazing from how I started as a young kid. I think in 1996 or 97, I was one of the worst asthmatics in Australia. Um, so yeah, ended up getting pretty good at running. And at the age of 13, I was I was a pretty early developer. So I was like the same height I am and actually 10 kilograms heavier than I am now uh, in grade seven. So Jeez. yeah, I was a big kid and I ended up winning my first state medal. I came third, I believe it was. Uh, and that kind of just like, made me believe that I was good enough. I don't know if it made me believe I was good enough to make a profession out of it, but at least on that, that school level, I believed I was good enough. Um, and then once, once the kids started growing and catching up to the height that I was, I ended up the next two years finished seventh, and then I think one year I didn't even make championships. And I just really started knuckling down, and I was kind of... 50-50, I guess, between soccer and athletics at that point. I was a really good soccer player as well. Football, you pommies call it. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah, I just kind of got – well, I ended up – I was playing the same position as our coach's son on, like, the – it was basically, like, the northern New South Wales, we called it, which was our state side. Um, and I just never got a run, even though I was better than this kid, just because coach's son, you know, so – Oh, yeah. That's a classic injustice in football. I know, man. Politics. So I ended up getting into running and focusing on that, which I thought there's no politics in, but it turns out there is as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah, a, a ridiculous amount of politics. I I hadn't really realised that until about a year or two years ago, to be honest, because like switching over from football, yeah. the culture seems so much better, which I, I think the culture's better in terms of like people wanting each other to do well for for the most part and whatever and it's not like as ag- aggressive to a certain degree I, I don't know but like yeah but yeah it, but in terms of politics it actually turns out there's probably probably even more in running man this is i got a funny football story for you i'll tell you before we jump back into this um so we we traveled down with we had like a 30 man i think it was squad that basically like traveled and played other um, regional teams. Uh, and so we traveled to this one game and then the other team decided for whatever reason that up. And so we played like a friendly match between our training side and our actual competitive side. Obviously I was on the training side because the coach's son was in the position. Um, and I think the, the goalkeeper's dad was the assistant coach and they were really good friends, the coach and the assistant coach. So the assistant coach was coaching the training side. The coach basically told, and we had like selectors, national selectors there watching these games. And that, yeah, basically the, the goalkeeper's dad said, you know, you're getting five or 10 minutes run this game. And I thought, oh, hang on. So I didn't even get really a run in the training side against the other side because I would have shown up this guy's son. Uh, and so we're down one nil, um, and he goes, "Okay, you've got five minutes left before half time." I come on and score three goals. <laughs> <laughs> and 
<laughs> takes me off. I didn't play another minute that game. And that was that was pretty much like the the point where I decided to go to running. <laughs> oh Jesus. <laughs> I mean football is not as big in Australia, so I don't know how good I actually was, but yeah. It was You scored three goals in like what was it? Fifteen five minutes? Five, ten yes. minutes? And like it would have been like under ten minutes for sure. Fuck's sake. Oh man, that's that. The, so the coach is still the same over there with the coach, the coach's son as well. That's that's such right. a that's a nightmare. But yeah, that, that that's the other thing about running. It? It's like, well, you're relying on yourself. You're not relying on a, a, like a, a coach to put you in anywhere or anything like that. It's like it's, it's just you. It's it's all on yourself, kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, like, our club team was really good as well, but we would go the whole season undefeated and then just tank in the finals. I think we won one of, like, three or four grand finals. Um, And I just, like, hated relying on other people as well. So at least when you you don't run well, it's, you know, mostly because of you. I mean, sometimes it could come down to how the coach has tapered you or something like that. But at the end of the day, it's really just how you performed. And that's, that's what really motivated me to push towards running because you only really have self to blame. Yes, it's a good sport for that. And in addition to that, we know that you're like quite involved involved in skateboarding culture and uh, kind of wondering how that like fits into running, obviously, because you kind of, kind of, ha- ha- do you see any sort of parallels with it or do you kind of, talking about like the running culture, is there anything you'd, you'd like to change about it? Uh, in sort of involvement with the skateboarding culture? Yeah, I mean, as a kid, I skateboarded a little bit and I always thought that that was really cool. Um, And I grew up on the beach as well, so I surfed a lot and I feel like skate and surf culture is is pretty similar. Um, And I mean, there are some similarities, I guess, between skating and running, but not, not really. I feel like running started off as it just seems like a rigid sport, you know, like it's, it started off as that like amateur sport where everyone was so proper. You're not supposed to make any money, enjoy it, you know, la di la di la. And I mean, I, I, I like that. I like the Olympic, um, the, the Olympic dream and um, all that it stands for. But yeah, I feel like running just seems so censored, man. Like, you see other sports like skating I can't even I I feel like I couldn't even express myself fully in running because you have to fit a stereotype because it is such a tough sport to make it in um you know you have to like you have to be perfect with your social media you have to be perfect with your image to even get a look in and to, to sign a contract uh and then once you sign a contract it's like you you got to be on your best behavior kind of thing so yeah, in that regard, time. skaters do whatever the fuck they want. Half the time they're getting arrested for skating and um, the same with surfing. And you see like the, the skate and surf videos have such a like a street vibe. And I just, I mean, Tin Man is really trying to push that obviously, but I think, um, I think it has a long way to go. And uh, unfortunately it being such a, a rich kid's sport, um, we are stuck with a bunch of rich kids in the sport, which, um, yeah, I don't know. It just, it doesn't really have that same culture, but I think it's getting there. 
I mean, it's hard to say because in the US it definitely is a lot more popular than than in Australia. Um, yeah. But I mean, here it was like if you didn't skate or surf or play rugby league, you just weren't cool. Like, I mean, when I got to like grade nine, I literally was bullied from like grade seven through to like grade 10 or 11 just because I was different and I was trying to do something that no one else is doing here. Um, I don't think that happens in the US, but it's just, yeah, track and field just isn't really considered cool. And I don't, I don't know what to do to make it cool, but I think something definitely needs to change. And I've been trying to figure that out myself while still staying true to myself and um, yeah, kind of staying somewhat within those guidelines that, make sure that I do still stay on contract. Yeah. Well, that, that's, that's, you know, it's the same over in the UK whereby like, if you're not playing like soccer or football or rugby, like you're a bit of an outsider in, in terms of the sporting world. Like we get, we get no credit really yep. uh, for running apart from like within the running community and uh, no one really hypes up the sport. It, it kind of sounds harsh to say, but it just seems like in the UK, no one really cares like that much like we we're we're kind of bottom of the pile in terms of like funding and all all that sort of stuff and like you're saying i think i think when people show their personalities they're more investable like what why why do you want the same like person who's been on a conveyor belt every single year and like you're just trying to invest in the same person like why why do you want that yeah it sounds the same as australia really like track and field is definitely the bottom of the pile um and maybe not so much in the US. Um, that's just like the culture they've grown up in. And I feel like sprinters have got it down pat. Like, I mean, Noah Lyles is pretty cool. Um, They've they got some cool guys in sprints. Uh, Tyson Gay, I used to really like. I thought he was, uh, yeah, he, he's a really good, like, role model. But in terms of distance running, it's just like, I don't know. I mean, the coolest guy you would probably say is, like, Centro. Yeah. And it, he's still like he's still not really that active on social media you know like you don't know what he's doing all the time and yeah I feel like Tin Man is trying to change that but yeah it's it's hard to say man like I really don't know how to how to change it but I think it's moving in the right direction but it would be cool to see I don't think I'll see it in my lifetime but it would be cool to see track and field get the same attention as some of those other sports and um yeah not even sports in general just like entertainment industry you know like i really want track stars to be looked at the same as musicians and that sort of thing where people that aren't even into your music would recognize you you know yeah Um, and i mean even people that are into running don't know some of the top athletes so it's hard but I think it's it's moving in the right direction for sure, but yeah. If if you ask anyone in the UK, like, oh, n- name like name an athlete, it's like okay, Mo Farah and Dina Asher Smith. You like, send that, up. That's it. That's it. That's all anyone's ever going to be able to tell you. And it's like, in fairness, on the personality side of things, like in terms of distance, we've got Butchart, and Butchart's great. Like, I I think he. You know he's out there. He's he's a funny bloke, and and he's quick as well. And I, it's quite nice to see someone like him, him doing well and being, not like 
different, but well, yeah, a little bit different because he's just sort of he's a bit more out there for people to uh, kind of invest in as a person as as well as a runner. Yeah, for sure. The, the unfortunate thing is, I feel like running doesn't have the platform where, say, like someone can be a little different and express themselves in like basketball and it has the platform that people pick up on it really quickly. You know, it's like if I'm a 1340 guy, but I'm doing things differently, people don't really pick up on it until you do run 13 and you're at that elite level. So until you have that platform and you run the times, you really can't, can't do too much with it, I guess. So like first and foremost, I'm just trying to get quick enough where I get the attention and I do have a platform and then really start trying to make a change, I guess. But yeah, it's just it's difficult. And I feel like for me personally, I've never really been like the cool kid. You know, I was like, I was always the the cool kid for the dorky kids. Um, if yeah. that's okay to say. Um, yeah. So I, I want to be like a voice and a role model for those kids that don't really feel like they fit in anyway, you know, um, yeah. and feel like they have someone that they can associate with and who understands them. And that's kind of the position that I'm trying to put myself in because yeah, as a kid growing up in the area I did and, and playing a sport uh, or participating in a sport that literally no one else did, I felt like, and I, I honestly still do feel like an outsider. Um, yeah. And is really that similar to me. Um, but I know there's people out there that are like that and do feel the same as me and I just want to give them a voice within this sport and sport in general more so yeah well and, that, and that's the other thing like with, with Tim man it, it's showing that there's personalities behind the times and that people are actually human boring like th th there's more to it than that and, and like you're saying about sort of being in school it, it's kind of tough to be the cool kid when you like you're going out in the morning and everyone sees you running like five miles in really small split shorts and yeah like, like it's, it's just it's just a tricky one trying to pull that off and you know hopefully one day that becomes cool in some eventuality like you say but it's, we've got to work on it yeah that's the funny thing because school here was like the cool kids would wear like these real tight like I don't know if you have the same thing, but like um, rugby league players here wear like these tight shorts. They shave their legs and wore these like little like sandal things to school. And that was cool. But because I like shave my legs and wear split shorts, it's not cool, you know? Like it didn't really make a lot of sense. But it's just, I mean, these rugby league players are, like built pretty big. They got big legs. I was just this like skinny, lanky white boy. So yeah, it was like. It's difficult. I don't know in what world that does seem cool, but then you look at like, I mean, skaters, there's no one that's built really big. They're like, they're skinny dudes. Um, a lot of musicians are like skinny guys covered in tats and they're cool. So I feel like not so much about like, you know, the size you are or, or the look, it's just the sport in general just doesn't seem cool right now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Who is your favorite skater, by the way? Uh, man, I I really like Rob Dudek. Yeah, he he seems like he's a character as well as a pretty sweet skater. So yeah, 
Yeah, I know nothing about skating. I'm staying out of this conversation. <laughs> well, I feel like he was he was always the underdog as well. Like he was that guy that no one ever played as, and like you know, pro skater or like Tony Hawk. Um, so yeah, I feel like I can really relate to him. Yeah, I get that. I really uh, there's a guy in the UK called you might know yeah Blondie McCoy. Yeah, yeah. Dude's just like sick, like starting off his own um, company, all that sort of stuff, and then kind of using using skate culture as well to actually create his brand. It just seems like kind of seems like a cool guy. It's kind of annoying because so my my friend group are like quite quite far into that culture sort of thing, and uh-huh. um, but it's kind of like I, I I can't risk it that much because of like running. I'd love to like go out with them and like and um and skateboard and shit, but like I just know for a fact I'll come off and that's like six months. That's just six months, like no running yeah. sort of thing. It's... Well, I really love like I'm really into my cars as well. Um, no. and I've like I I rode motorbikes a little bit as a kid. Yeah, and I've really wanted to get a motorbike. Um, and my girlfriend for the past five years has just straight up said no. Um. But yeah, I just feel like it's so dangerous. It's just, it's not worth it right now. Um, it's, it's a, yeah, so I guess if if you find enjoyment from it though, like it's one of those things where because as long as running's not like because it, it weirdly being a pro athlete, I guess it's kind of it, that could be sometimes your release as well. Like for sure. Well, I, I went surf the first time and like. I want to say six years, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Um, and Tin Man recently got a, a deal with Whoop, um, which gives you like sleep tracking, um, your your activity strain, that sort of thing. And man, I was, I, you, you kind of lose track of time when you're surfing out there, especially when it's a nice day. I was out there for like two hours. I didn't realize how strenuous it is. I think my average heart rate was... I mean, I'm unfit right now because I haven't been doing a whole lot of training. Um, but my average heart rate was like 170 or 168 or something like that for two hours. Jeez, that's a workout. Yeah. I know, man. So I, was, I was pretty impressed, but I came out of it like my chest was sore, my arms were throbbing. I like <laughs> couldn't lift up a cereal box the next day. <laughs> that's the um, thing they like really messes your body up man like once as soon as you try and do anything different it's like the body's at panic stations i tried to have a kick about with my mates the other week and like the next day lactic everywhere like yeah the body couldn't do it yeah i know even like i shoot hoops a little bit and like if i if i move around too sporadically my ankles are just shot yeah it's like they're just so used to going in like a straight line or that like slight left turn that if you like try to sidestep, I couldn't even imagine playing soccer right now. Like taking some of those tackles and stuff, I would break in half. Yes, yeah, same man. Like the fact, I think I think at the moment I'm weighing like 62 kg. Just thinking if any like if anyone crashed into me like that, that's a coma. That's, yeah, that's, that's straight into like hospital. I like I was saying before, I fell over. Um, running while trying to dodge that kid fractured my ribs like that shouldn't happen <laughs> <laughs> nah, it shouldn't be. it's a cruel sport absolutely yeah. it's all on the body um, 
So yeah, and, and we got we got a couple uh, questions from Sam Parsons that we'd uh, <laughs> we'd, we'd, be, we'd be kind of <laughs> interested to talk about. So the the first one is um, yes, I guess this could, this will be quite a, a cool story. It was the it was the phone call that got you got you into Tim Man. If if you kind of want to tell us a little bit about about that phone call, yeah. Yeah, so it was. I just had like with my with my old coach and my training group. It was like going really well. I'd PR'd every season, um, and just this one year, it was it was Com Games year, so 2018. Uh, I ended up getting bronchitis. Just literally during, so I I placed third, I think, in the the heats, in hundred qualified for the final, which was two days later. Somehow got bronchitis the day between. <laughs> so it was just, I was just so unlucky. Um, and then I ended up just like brushing that off. I was out for like six weeks. Uh, and then I'd planned to race in Europe in September. And I got into Zagreb. World like yeah. I'd run the 37. And I think the next lowest was like 333 or something like that. Like I, I don't know how I even got in, but it was like, it was probably the best 1500 field that I could have ever gotten in. Um, yeah. And like a week before I left, I ended up getting sick again. And that just seemed like the story of my time with that group it was like, I was just working so hard. I was running 200 kilometers a week, putting in three hard workouts a week. And I just, I never got injured surprisingly, but I just kept breaking down um, yeah. with this and stuff like that. And so at that point, I was like, okay, something's got to change. Uh, and my girlfriend at the time got a job in Melbourne. And so she moved to Melbourne literally like two weeks before that happened. And I was like, all right, I'm probably just going to move to Melbourne with her. Like we'd lived together for three years um, and I'll just like figure out the rest. And so there's a really good group in Australia called the Melbourne Track Club. I'm sure you all know. I mean, they train in London a lot of the time. Um, and the coach of Melbourne Track Club was actually who helped me out with my first contract or my first year deal, I would say, out of high school. It's uh, Nick Badeau, right? Yeah, Nick Badeau. Yeah. Uh, so he, like, he helped me out with some New Balance stuff. I was running for New Balance pretty much straight out of high school because we don't have the whole college system. Um, we don't even really have under 23s here. So basically yeah. just go from school to either another sport or – college in america um so he was like throwing me some gear and then we didn't really end up on good terms um and so when when i moved to melbourne i thought okay i might give it another chance i'll speak to him and see if he'd be willing to coach me uh and i met with him and it just didn't didn't seem right for whatever reason and i was like kind of desperate and i'd met drew in europe the year before um, and he was like, Tin Man hadn't even started at that point. I don't even think he'd moved to Boulder. And he was just telling me he was thinking about it and he wanted to start a group and whatever. And literally, this was the first time I met him. We'd, we went for a long run or something together. And he was like, yeah, dude, if you ever want to come out to Boulder, like, let me know. I'll have a house out there. I'm, I'm definitely going to buy in Boulder. Um, if you want to come out, yeah, just hit me up. And so a year later, I, I messaged him. I was like, hey, dude. Um, and Bideau was supposed to call me back like two days later or something and let me know if he wanted to coach me or not. Um, and so I kind of like just rushed around. I was like, 
hey, I'm thinking about joining Tin Man. Like, what do I have to do? Uh, and Drew, literally, he, he said he never checks Facebook, which I, I just thought he was, like, messing around. But now that I know him more, I got really lucky that he just checked Facebook right at that time because um, mm -hmm. he's never that thing. And he literally just said, oh, message Sam. Like, here's his number. He kind of deals with all that stuff. Um, and so I messaged Sam, got on a call with him and, and coach. Um, I think coach came after Sam, but yeah, I pretty much like got on the phone with Sam and obviously he was really hesitant. Just this random Australian kid who I think him and Reed maybe were at Oxy that year. Um, and I, I think I came second, but I just had like this retro singlet on, I had a headband and like this long ass mullet. Yeah. And I just got straight out. Like I just, I just got straight on the paces and went for it. And apparently, they both looked at each other. They were like, just walk into the stadium for the five k or something like that. Just go, hey, that guy runs like a tin man. Um, so apparently, they had their eye on me a little bit, but didn't really know much about me. And so when I messaged him, he was a little hesitant at first. Um, and I said, look, I don't know how many years I've got left of running, um, but. I've changed coaches a few times. I definitely don't want to change again. Like, if you let me be a part of Tin Man, I'm going to commit 100%. Um, and that's it. You know, I'm not going to, there's going to be no more changes. Whatever happens if the group breaks up. So it was, it was really fresh at the time. Um, if the group breaks up or whatever, if you guys aren't happy with me, that'll be it. Like, I'll, I'll probably be done with running. Uh, so I'm just going to go all in. Um, and yeah, he basically said, all right, well, if you feel that way, show us that you're committed. Um, and so I spoke to Tom. Budo called me back like a day later. And I said, hey, I don't think I'm going to join join MTC. Um, and he said, okay, whatever. Um, and, yeah, I just basically booked a flight. And two weeks later, I was in Boulder. <laughs> um, that's, that's it. And, and, yeah, it was never really talked about after that. It was just like, okay, this dude traveled, you know, across the whole planet to, to get here. Um, He's, he's a part of the team now. So I had a few weeks there and that was it. They, they threw me a singlet. Drew gave me some spikes that were two sizes too big. Uh, and I was a part of Tin Man. That's, that's an awesome story, man. That's, that's pretty cool. I, obviously, coming, like, coming out of Australia, I, I, I'd sort of guessed that, that you, you, you would have kind of looked into that, that MTC with like Nick Badeau and stuff. But I think in terms of getting the culture right, it's a no-brainer going out to Tim, man. Yeah, well, that was the other thing. Like, I mean, I I got, like, really complacent when I, I met my girlfriend. I was, like, I grew up and my parents were, like, I mean, I never had, like, a hard upbringing, but they had to work for, like, everything they've got. And I I really understood that. And I've, I've really worked hard for, like, what I've got now. Um, but, yeah, I just feel like... I just, I like that like underdog mentality. Um, and obviously like we were talking about before, one of the big things that I wanted to do was to make running cool and uh, a sport that people look at and think, hey, I want to be involved in that, um, not just in America, but globally. Uh, and I felt like Tin Man was, was really doing that. And when I was with my partner, I got really complacent and was just happy with how I was doing. Uh, happy with how everything was going and I was training hard but I wasn't like the workhorse that I used to be 
Um, and yeah, I just like really wanted to get back to that. And Tin Man was kind of like, I seen them working so hard and, and their mentality towards running was really cool, but also just like off the track, they were really relaxed guys. And I don't know, I just like, it, it resonated with me a lot. Um, and now that my partner and I broke up, I feel like I can get back to that real, real workhorse grind that, that I used to be, that, that used to be me. Um, and I feel Tom is going to be that guidance that I really need because sometimes that can get a little bit out of hand as well. Cause all I've ever really known is just you work hard, work hard, work hard. And, uh, sometimes that pays off and sometimes it doesn't. So I feel like Tin Man was just that blend for me where they do work hard and they are workhorses, but, um, there's some science behind it and, and a good coaching staff that is going to tell me when to push, but also when to pull back. Yeah. That, and that's an important thing about a coach. It's, you got to have a coach who's going to, who's not going to completely run you into the ground. He's going to work you hard, but he, he knows you well enough to, in a session where he's like, that, that's it, man. Like that, that's, that's kind of you done for the day or you need an easy week kind of thing. And it's just, it's just time to chill. Yeah, for sure. Coach, coach Schwartz is such an intelligent guy. Um, and he's been so good at correspondence. That was the other thing as well. Like I was, I was trying to make it work with living in Melbourne with my partner and, and going over and training with Tin Man. And I've always, I've always kind of done things on my own. Um, and I've enjoyed that flexibility. And I knew just going with MTC was going to be like eight, nine months on the road, doing everything that Bidot wanted. Whereas like coach sees you not only as an athlete, but a person as well. And he knows that, um, you know, people do need their own things. Like, I mean, Drew right now has been away from Boulder with his partner um, on the East Coast quite a bit because sometimes you need that in your life and you need that balance. And I think Coach really understands that. Um, and with correspondence, he just, I mean, he's been doing that and he was doing that before with Tin Man. Um, he was based in, in Idaho. And so he was coaching the whole team by correspondence. So I felt like that was a good fit for me because balancing the, the two with my relationship in Melbourne and being a part of Tin Man, I felt like he could just really get it right. Um, and it has been good, but I feel like sometimes I would get carried away and do things and, and not really tell him. And yeah. I would all run like the far end of things. You know, he'd suggest like 95 minutes to two hours for long run. And I'd run two hours, five minutes just because that's me. Um, yeah. I think moving to Boulder, I'm planning to move to Boulder uh, at some point in the near right. future. Um, whenever COVID decides to, to fly back off to Mars. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I feel like just being out in Boulder, is going to take me to the next level not because of how hard I'm going to work with the team I've never really had a problem with working hard by myself but um, just having that watchful eye not only of coach but also all the other boys who have had their own experiences and they're all intelligent in their own way with their own training history to be able to tell me hey you, you might be training a little bit too hard or hey you don't need to run two hours this Sunday just to take it easy because we've had some hard workouts and um, yeah, I feel like I've never really had that before. So I think, funnily enough, not working as hard in some aspects and working harder in others, I think is going to be the key to getting me to that next level. Yeah, for sure. It's like and ha having the group and having 
the, the dudes in that team like being able to do sessions with us like the, the the effort needed to a certain degree is less because when you're around the team like it's it's easier to be busting out sometimes that you're doing on your own because you kind of forget how hard it is sometimes on your own to like to hit those splits and to hit this and that because you can kind of switch off when you're in the middle of a pack and just follow and trust that you know ev- everyone's there everyone's doing doing their sort of bit for the bit for the pack yeah sure. and that's why i kind of felt bad as well in a way that i was like, going back and forth because i really wasn't committing 100 percent to the team and I, I am committed to the team i mean if anyone knows about my my tattoos i've got a maltese cross and a the tin man axes on both calves so in terms of commitment, I mean, I'm, I'm locked in for life to Tin Man now. There's no going to another group. Um, but I just wasn't committing 100%. And I also felt like because Boulder was their home, but for me it was like, hey, I'm going to training camp in Boulder. Yeah. I just raised energy so much, not only of, of myself going on training camp, but all those guys saying, Goose is coming over. It must be, you know, time to race. Yeah. That would just... Not only me, and I don't think I was the the catalyst for it, and I wasn't the one out the front pushing it all the time. Um, but I know a lot of people were training outside their comfort zones, me included. Um, so I think, in terms of not only me but the whole group in general, me moving out there is going to be the best. Yeah, and talk, talking about moving out there, another uh, question that Sam Sam for in there was what. What did you do 24 hours after arriving in Boulder for the first time? What did I do? He didn't give us any context for this. His, his pure question was, what did you do 24 hours after arriving in Boulder for the first time after travelling for 24 hours? That's all he said. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Parsons, being the dickhead that he is, <laughs> took highest point he could find for me to run like 20 mile long run if i recall correctly actually no no that that was three days after or two days after what happened (laughs) coach decided that i'd been under coach's program for like yeah this is a funny story actually i'd been under coach's program for maybe a month and for, for whatever reason he decided to put on a 2k time trial and i I hadn't been to altitude in like three years. And so I landed this, it wasn't even 24 hours, man. I landed at like 7 PM on a Thursday night, got to Boulder. Cause I, you fly into Denver, got to Boulder at like 8:30 PM, went for a shakeout, had some burgers or something like that, that the boys cooked up. This was my first time meeting everyone. So it was kind of like, plus coach was there as well. So, you know, I was, I was talking to coach, didn't get to bed till late. And then I think it was like early morning, like 7 a.m. or something like that. We were at the track and I was warming up and I felt like absolute shit. Um, and he he basically, we we're doing like a, a time trial and we we're testing out the stride power meters. And so we had like two guys riding on bikes with their phones next to us to like assess our power. And it was like, it was so high tech from what I'd come from. Um, and it was so cool, but I just knew I was going to tank obviously. And I was like my first time in front of all the boys with all of this science and coach who usually wasn't there because he was in Idaho. Um, so it was like 
all eyes were kind of on me. I'm the new guy. I was just like coming over as a trial kind of thing. Didn't know if I was technically going to be a part of the team. I was like, damn, I got to show up here. And so I went out in like 4.16 or something like that, I think it was, um, which isn't too bad. Like I was, I was running like 64s and I was with one other guy. We did it in pairs, I think it was, or like groups of three or something like that. And then, man, I ended up running like 5.40. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I have hard. <laughs> Oh my god, that, that, that last 400 must have felt like a long time. Yeah, it was not good, dude. The, the guy cycling next to me pretty much got off and walked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a rough one. But I did end that trip. I think I was there for five weeks. I did end that trip. We were doing five by a mile, and there's a grass oval next to Drew's house that we sometimes work out on. But it's all fenced off. There's the there's the bad boys we are. We jump the fence and work out in there. Um, I think after two reps, we got kicked off. And so in our two-minute jog, we all jump the fence. And then there's a cemetery with like this dirt loop just across from, from the park. And so we jog over there. Um, and I think I closed the last mile in like 4.12 or something like that. And I hold the record because no one ever works out there no one has ever worked out there since <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> you've, you've banged that Strava segment on a cemetery fantastic work yeah, a Strava segment and I don't think I was posting on Strava at that point which is a shame but <laughs> Didn't yeah, from what I know from what I know I hold the mile record on that cemetery <laughs> that's so sick and, and you were you were talking about um, your Maltese and Tin Man um, tattoos before, and we've got another question from uh, Craig Hoffer. Come uh, <laughs> on, how did you? How do you know? I even know Craig. Th- this was Alfie's research on this part. Just some um, in- intensive Instagram stalking, I believe. That's okay. all it was. Um, okay. In fact, he yeah. sent quite. A good, he sent quite a good response, which we'll send you over after in a DM because it was it was quite comical. So I'll send yeah. it over because he just basically set the scene for us saying how you'd be in a cafe with your dog Stanley uh, in a coffee shop somewhere. Just So yeah, he, he set the scene quite well. But one of the questions was, um, well, he sort of said you have quite a few questionable tattoos. And I was wondering if you wanted to talk about some questionable tattoos. Man, honestly, they're the only two I have. I have a few like questionable ideas for tattoos and I really want to get them, but I'm just like, like I said before, with, with the whole image thing, I've like not wanted to kind of put myself in that basket. But I feel like I feel like I will. Would <laughs> um, be good to hear any of those ideas or are they under wraps at the minute? They're probably under wraps at the minute. I'm definitely going to get a goose. Um, I actually had, I was talking to a kid this morning. I don't know if you've seen on my story. Um, but I was talking to a kid this morning and he was like shooting me over all his ideas for tattoos. Um, and he just said like, Oh, the only thing like stopping me from getting these tattoos is my bank account. And I was like, all right, dude, how about this? If you, if you uh, run a PR in your first three races of next season, I'll pay for your next tattoo. And he was like, yeah, all right, cool. Done. It's a no brainer for him. He, he has nothing to lose. 
Um, and then I was like, hey, I could probably like do something cool with this. So I posted on Instagram. I really didn't think I'd get any takers either. But the deal was the same deal. So if someone ran PR within their first three races, I would pay for the next tattoo. But if they didn't, they had to get a tattoo of a goose. And I, I thought, I, like, and I, I'm paying for both, by the way. So it's really, <laughs> I, I don't mind. Like I like engaging with, with the fans, the kids. So is what it is. I don't mind paying a little bit, but, um, and I mean, I get to say that a kid got a goose tattoo on himself from me. So that's kind of cool as well. Um, but I thought I would get like, you know, five people max. I got like 70 people. <laughs> oh my God. That's, that's a whole, that's a whole cult. If they all get goose tattoos. Oh man. All these kids want goose tattoos. So yeah. <laughs> that's, that's some following. That's, uh, that's creating your own little army. I know. Well, I mean, uh, that- I got a- I think I'm going to do two this time. I just got to figure out like a way to randomly pick two. Parsons has his hand in there as well. So hopefully you get him. Um, <laughs> but yeah, if it catches on, maybe I'll do some more. Maybe I'll do other things as well. Not just, not just running PRs, but we'll see. But yeah, I definitely, I want to get a goose tattoo. Um, I just kind of like random things as well, honestly, like, um there's a few people that just have like random hand tattoos there's a girl from wa that has like a a butterfly and a paper clip which are kind of cool so i've been like really hesitant to get tattoos because i am trying to keep that like i don't know image of marketability but i feel like tattoos can't affect it too much so we'll see yeah i think think you'll be good yeah be a real shame if any if anyone was difficult about that. That would be pretty terrible. What's that? If if anyone was like difficult about that, that would be pretty shocking. Like if if anyone had sort of anything to say on that side of things, that would be a pretty sad day for the sport. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I know. It's just like it's not even really the tattoos. It's just like that image, I guess. But I don't know. There's like there's a few rappers that said like a few rappers that I like that have basically said they got like face tattoos because they knew that after they got them, they couldn't get a full-time job. So they just committed a hundred percent to rapping. Uh, I kind of like that idea. So I don't know if I'm going to get face tattoos or not, but we'll see. Jeez. Yeah. That would be a move. <laughs> that would be a move. <laughs> and and I'm um, committed to this sport. I just, I just need to blow up. Yeah, 100%, man. Just get, like, Adidas engraved on the chest. <laughs> huge, huge Tim Man on the chest in there. And talk about your other tattoo, the, the Tim and the Maltese. Obviously, that, that, was, uh, that was a big, big news when you, uh, when you switched over to Malta. Just out of interest, do you know where Gozo is? Yeah, Gozo, yeah. yeah Gozo's a sick place, man. I've, I've been there a few times. Like, I, I did a training session on, like, the horse track. Hey, so it's funny. Funny you say that. I um, actually haven't been to Gozo. So Malta is two islands, Gozo and then main Malta. Um, and I spent a lot of time there. I actually haven't been to Gozo, but I started coaching a few people in Malta. Um, and one of my athletes trains on that horse track every day. Really? Yeah, he like long runs on that track, everything. Damn. 
Dude, if you if you yeah, next time you're out there, you got gotta try and get get the ferry out to uh out to Gozo. In terms of like in terms of like long runs and stuff, it, it is a tricky one with the island being like six miles long or something. So, yeah, I know. When I was like out there last time, I really struggled to run. I don't know how they do it there. It's so hot in the summer as well. <laughs> so hot. It's ridiculous. Like, I remember doing a, a session on that horse track like two in the afternoon. Absolutely <laughs> dying. I had like eight by a K. I was suffering. Absolutely suffering. It's the good I'm, place. I, it's just it's like, a place. when I go there, I just don't get the i just it's just such holiday vibes like i just don't want to run there yeah yeah the weather's ridiculous i couldn't i couldn't train in that in that sort of weather like day in day out no way yeah there's there's a i guess funny story um I, last time i was out there so i went to the games of small states of europe um last year and i ended up uh, winning the 5k and 10k and I got beaten in the 1500 but they were three days in a row um, so, yeah I ended up injured after that actually which was kind of shitty but um, so I got this like plaque from the, the Prime Minister of Malta um, which is pretty dope yeah. but the funny thing is I was like I was in Malta with my girlfriend and I had like maybe three days left or something like that and it was really bad weather the first like week we were there um and this was she came out for like three weeks and then i was like going on to race a little bit more and i think she was going to see one of her friends and then go home um and it was like a really nice day this day um and the prime minister like invited me basically to like the white house um for, for lunch and i i had no way to like get myself there there's a bus that i think got to within like two kilometers of wherever it was in the middle of Malta and Malta's not that big but it's like a little bit of traffic and stuff and I was staying right on the beach and I could like see the beach from my house and I ended up turning him down to just go sunbake that story and he's like man that's like Obama inviting me to the White House and me saying no I'm gonna go to the beach <laughs> Hey man, that's. I bet the beach is warm though. That's the thing. Like that's that sounds kind of dreamy. Oh, it was beautiful. That's the thing. Like Malta is such a nice holiday spot that every time I go there, I just feel like sitting on the beach and doing nothing. So usually my season downhill once I get to Malta. <laughs> yeah, it's easily done. Especially the lifestyle, so chilled out in in Malta, like in general. Yeah, man, like, I love it. People are just so, yeah, I, I love and, that as well. It's just so. I love that there's no like convenience stores, you know, it's like corner stores with like fruit and veg and, and then you've got like your butchers and stuff. It's just like, it's such a simple lifestyle. Yeah, they've, they've got it. They've got it so right. Especially like saying lo local shops, no, no sort of big chains. The, the people are so chill. Like in Goza, I think in the last like 30 years, there's been one recorded crime. Yeah, it's just like, and I'm pretty sure someone drove like a Land Rover into the sea or some shit. Like, I can't even remember the full story behind it. It was something like that, though. Yeah, my pop has some um, pretty funny stories from Malta that I probably can't can't say on here. <laughs> but yeah, I've had some I've had some weird nights out. You know, you know, like one strip in Malta, like the one club strip in Malta. Yeah, in um, Slima. Yeah, I've had some. 
some great nights there, but <laughs> but as you say, probably can't talk about them on here. Um, but yeah, yeah, I didn't know. Some... I didn't go out unfortunately when I was there. Um, but I did stay on that strip. It's pretty nice throughout the day as well, like the restaurants and cafes and stuff. Beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's an amazing place, man. And uh, there were some other other questions from from Craig Huffer. Alfie, I'll, I'll let you go a little bit into these. I'm praying you've got some context. <laughs> Which one got me to touch on first, Rory? Just honestly, this settlers, this settlers oh, of um, that, was, strategy. that was from Joey. That was from Joey. <laughs> oh, that was from Joey Tinman. Oh, actually, oh yeah, we, yeah. So onto the the Joey Tinman questions, and honestly, this, this settlers of Catan strategy. I'm intrigued. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, man, I guess, like, I don't know. I'm just, like, a bit of a, like, softy, I guess. Um, and so I just, like, don't play an aggressive game. Um, <laughs> and for whatever reason, it was, like, I'm pretty sure it was that first trip I was out there as well. They were, like, really into Catan. Um, and I just, for whatever reason, and I had never played it before in my life, but I was, like, Oh, this sheep could be handy. So I just I just threw my like you know how you, you select two spots at, at first. Yeah. I just threw them on like as many sheep as I could get. Right. So I'm just sitting on like I mean Parsons is the king of Catan. He like he won nine out of ten games, I think. What? Wow. Midway through this like first game, and for whatever reason, I just kept doing it. But I was sitting on like fifteen sheep, and that was it. <laughs> and I, Joey just found it so funny that um, anytime like any number was rolled, I think the first game it was like the most common numbers. I had like six and eight on like one sheep, and then like six on the other one. Uh, and anytime it was rolled, I just I would just say, "Oh fuck yeah, more sheep." <laughs> And <laughs> yeah. man's got a head. <laughs> That's, and then, so, so what was the strategy with the sheep? Where did you see it going? Nowhere. I just like animals, dude. <laughs> I, I was just playing a completely different game to these boys. <laughs> like I just wanted sheep. That was it. Yeah. I wrote that. It didn't well, need to sell anywhere. Later, later on, I like realized that you can get like the the two for one deal rather than like trade in four for one. And I was like, if I capitalized on all the sheep, then I could like trade them for other people who didn't have sheep. I was getting there, but yeah, I just like the sheep, dude. You just created a whole community yeah. of sheep. Yeah. I think they should come out with an addition where instead of sheep, they have goose. True that. Imagine rolling in, trying to settle somewhere with like 20 goose on your, on your left and right. <laughs> Rolling into yeah. battle, man. That'd be my kind of game. That'd be a sick game. Gooses <laughs> are kind of—they're like low-key aggressive as well. They're like those. I—I I would not want to be squared up to by a goose. Yeah, I was talking to someone today, and they're like, "So, do you actually like geese?" I was like, "Yeah, man. They're like kind of cool, and no one really fucks with them. <laughs> no one fucks with a geese. Like, I've—I've I've been on a fair few runs where you kind of—they're on like the side of the path in there." They're giving you that sort of funny look where it's like, 
maybe I'm going to come at you, maybe I'm not going to, but I know you're scared yeah. of me. Yeah, if you run too close to them, you don't know if they're going to fucking like peck you or just, just hang out. So They're really fun. underrated, dangerous animal. Yeah, I, I honestly don't even know how I got that name. I think Parsons gave it to me. I guess because um, everyone is like, everyone pr- pronounces my last name Gooseman. So I guess that's his. Yeah. I, I was going to say, I thought it was Gooseman until I, I listened to an interview on, on Tin Talks and it, I was like, oh, right, we need to change that then for tomorrow. I literally listened to it yesterday. I was like, right, we need to make sure we don't say that then. But, yeah, I don't know. It's all good. I mean, I like, I definitely fucked with geese before I got the name. So once once Sam gave it to me, I was like, hell yeah. Yeah, man. They, they uh, the hissing noises they make, man, scary shit. But is, is Gooseman a, Gusman, is that a Maltese name as well? Uh, I think it's, it's Spanish. Right. I want to say like where where it derives from, um, but yeah, it's like in Australia people call me Gusman. In in Malta it's Guzman, um, and anywhere else I guess it's Gooseman. <laughs> yeah, Guzman so, sounds hard. That sounds yeah, so hard in Malta. <laughs> it's funny, man, because I feel like it's not that common of a name in Malta. Um, right, and. I forget exactly the relation, but I'm pretty sure he's my pop's cousin. He's my, no, my pop's brother's son or something like that. Um, he's like a famous singer in Malta. Sick. So it's, so it's just me and this other guy, the two Guzmans just bowling out in Malta. Yeah, man, just, just rolling it out, getting invited to the president's office and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Wow. So he like, he messaged me a little while ago and was like, Hey, um, like I'm, I'm pretty sure we're related, and I'd never spoken to him before. Um, he's like, "Oh, I'm pretty sure we're related." Like I heard something about you, and man, he told me some cool stories about my grandfather I didn't even know about. Um, and he was like, "I think his parents really pushed him into music, but he really loved soccer." And my pop was a good football player, mm-hmm. and he he said that um, my pop's mom, who yeah, my pop's mum was, like, sneaking him out of school and bought him soccer boots so he could, like, practice soccer on the sly. Nice. Um, like, yeah, just stuff like that. That was so cool to learn. Um, and then he started sending me all this dope music that he, he made as well. So it was, it was pretty cool to connect with him. That's sweet. And the, the music culture over there, like, I found the music and football culture was, was kind of mad. Like, even on Gozo being, like, a six-by-six-mile island, there's like four football pitches, like so many separate yeah. teams. The facilities were actually mad. Like, I, I, yeah. I was pretty amazed by it. And yeah. Like Malta, the Maltese aren't really that into Instagram, but they're really into Facebook still, which in Australia, Facebook is like kind of phased out. Hmm. So I've had to kind of like get back into posting on Facebook pretty regularly. Um, but I remember there was like a period where when I first started running for Malta, and a bunch of the Maltese, like, I guess rightfully so, weren't too happy that I just, like, kind of popped up out of nowhere and, and started running for Malta. And I'm sure you guys know the full story about why I decided to, to switch over and run for them. We heard from Sam uh, that you told a story out, out to Tim and guys. And, uh, and it was about one of your favorite uh, tour, touring stories. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's a crowd favorite for the boys for sure. Um, so there's this, there's this one race in Australia um, and you basically, I'm not going to name any names, but uh, you basically like fly out to the major city and stay the night. Um, and then after that, it's all kind of paid for and you get the flight to this rural city, you run your races and they fly you home. Uh, and the few times before that, I'd gone with a few of my teammates. And so we'd always just get the accommodation the night before we actually fly out to the race um, together. And I think it was 2017 or something like that. Um, yeah, it just like so happened that I was just traveling by myself. And so I had like no one to get accommodation with. And so I messaged this girl who I was, I was pretty good friends with. Um, and I had a girlfriend at the time for like three years. She doesn't know this story and she probably would never listen to this podcast. So <laughs> it's okay. It's calm, man. It's calm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no one, no one's heard this story outside of the boys. So uh, wow. I might get some laughter out of it, but um so i messaged this girl i'm pretty sure she had a boyfriend too um and i was like hey do you want to like split the accommodation um and every time i've gone there it's been like two beds in these these apartments and she was like and i i meant nothing by it. you know i was just like hey you're like probably the only person that i know that i'm friends with going do you want to just split split a room together and she was like yeah yeah like uh, i have some points on my frequent flyers um which apply to the hotel like I'll, I'll look after it and i said okay sweet whatever um and so she was getting in at like 7 p.m or something like that um and i was getting in later like 9 30 or something and so you fly to the race and then the next that day you fly in the morning and the, the rounds that afternoon um and then the final is the next day and so she gets in and messages me and says like, Hey, this is a room. And then I get in and I, I get signal and whatever and, and that. jump on the bus over anyway. So I get there at like, I want to say once I picked up my bags and stuff like 10, 30, 11. Um, and I walk up to the room and knock on the door and she just opens it and she's like in, in her underwear and that's it. And I, I'm thinking like, okay, you know, this is, there's nothing wrong with this. <laughs> and so then I, I walk down the hallway and turn to the bed and there's just one bed. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. All right. Um, <laughs> and so then we like jump into bed and nothing ended up happening. But I was like, I kept my shorts on. Um, actually, I don't think I did. I was in underwear maybe as well. I was like, I'm going to join the party. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But she like she like kept wiggling towards me and stuff, and yeah, I was like, I mean, I, I, I never like cheated in my relationship that I was in, and I was like adamant that I didn't want to. I didn't yeah. say this to her, but I was like, I definitely just knew that nothing was going to happen. Um, but she just like kept moving around and stuff, and I just like didn't get any sleep. Um, and I think the line that the boys found funny was like. I just said, yeah, I, I didn't get a wink of sleep that night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ended up like the next morning, we like got breakfast together, jumped on the flight and um, 
we like hung out that next night. Nothing was ever like spoken about from that night again. Uh, and uh, I, ended up, I ended up winning the race. So it was a good weekend. Hero. Yeah. Testosterone flying. But that <laughs> is a good experience, man. Yeah. And if, if, if anyone knows that runners are the worst for that sort of stuff, like I'm, I'm sure you've had plenty after parties in your time. Um, <laughs> it's cool, kids. Tour life is cool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and if you if you ever get to an after party in athletics, just know that everyone behaves a hundred percent. Nothing. Yeah, because I feel like they're, they're the best behavior most of the year. That man, runners go off when they go off. That's for sure. It's crazy. Like at, at World Cross, um, it was it was a terrible mix for like athletes. It was so they had like these free like beer taps. It was it was hosted by like Mikola like massive like beer company and whatever and they had these like little like you know tuk tuk sort of things uh-huh. they had yeah. like four of those around the room with just drafts like 10 drafts on each dang and i'm talking like it was on tap for athletes so you just finished world cross most brutal course like you've ever seen and then it was straight to this after party free beer on tap like the whole night and i spent like it, it was just such a weird night because it's like obviously like the Aussies, the New Zealanders and the, and the Brits kind of all were sort of with each other because it's in terms of culture, it's like the closest that you can get out of all the other countries. Cause the U S yeah, yeah. cool, but sometimes they don't quite get the humor, like this, that, and yeah. the other. <laughs> it was just such a weird after party because everyone was hammered in like, um, Oh, what's his name? 5,000 meters from Ethiopia. Um, oh, some kids. Wait, who? Gebra what? Ethiopian, Ethiopian 5K guy. There's a, there's a lot of Ethiopian. Borega. Yeah, man. Borega was just like in the middle of this like mosh pit at the after party in like full <laughs> Ethiopian gear, just fucking going for it, man. And there was, there was so much weird shit going on. Like, Paula Radcliffe was there and like, Sort of Seb Coe was there for a small amount, but I guess he couldn't witness too much because there was a lot of weird shit going on. But yeah, yeah, but yeah, man. Yeah, I've been to some weird ones for sure. Um, there's actually like another race in Australia. It's kind of the same thing. I don't know if you heard of the Mitchell Street Mile. Yeah, yeah. So that one is like they put you on a flight at like one a.m. or something like that. Um, the night after the race, and it's really humid when you race as well. So it's like. 40 degrees just like you get so dehydrated um and then they have like free beers uh in the hotel lobby afterwards with all these nightclubs um and yeah every year because it's always like the end of the season as well all the athletes just go out and get plastered and then go to the airport and fly home <laughs> i have not seen a rowdy a bunch of people the people that go to that race and head to the airport afterwards <laughs> Yeah, man, and the the Aussies go the Aussies go hard as well. It was uh, pretty impressive to see at World Cross as well. It was just like just create like I think I mean I think in, in like the juniors, I spoke to Jackson Sharp like more than any of the other dudes because it was uh-huh. but um, yeah, Jackson's a great dude. Yeah, he's a good dude, eh? Yeah, yeah, hundred um, percent. And 
I think that the last couple of questions we have, we, we asked pretty like sort of similar to Sam, a little bit more deep um, sort of thing. But it was uh, so the first question we had was the best decision you think that you've ever made. Hard decisions, I guess. Like my my life and the route I've taken with running, even though it has seemed a bit more strange, has been pretty straightforward. I guess um, it was probably one of the hardest decisions I've had to make was joining Tin Man just because of the uncertainty of it but I feel like at the end of the day like it's probably been the best decision I've made as well just because of how things have worked out and how close I am with a lot of the boys which is basically my second family now um so yeah I would definitely say that that is the best decision I mean I wouldn't be contracted with Addy right now I probably wouldn't have qualified for two world teams um which I have now so I haven't run with either of them, but that's a that's a different story. Um, but yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have had a lot of the things that I've had without their support. I feel like I definitely had the potential to do the things that I've done, but um, yeah, without them, it would have been a lot harder or not possible at all. So definitely my best decision. Sick. Yeah, that's obviously what it was a big decision, huge decision for you to make as well. It's going to be interesting again because when you actually get to boulder and you know fingers crossed like when you say when covid gets rid of itself and you're out there it'll be uh nice actually being with the guys and that that'll be another step forward tim man and then the other question we had is um where where would you want to be in 10 years 10 years man like i i want to say that i like still want to be involved in the sport um <laughs> I love track and field and obviously I have some like big dreams for track and field, which aren't just me, you know, winning gold medal at the Olympics, which is the ultimate dream, which I don't know if that could ever become a reality or not, but you got to think that it can. Um, so there's like, even after my career, I feel like there's going to be some unfinished business and I, I still want to push the sport forward. And, um, that's what Tin Man is all about. Um, and that's that's why I felt like it was such a good fit because the what, what they want and what I want align pretty well. Um, but like, sometimes I feel like the goose part of me and like the Jordan part of me are two different things because without running, my life would be so different. Um, and I'm like... I love traveling around and seeing the world, but at the same time, I'm like, I kind of just want like a, a family and a dog and a kid and just like live somewhere by myself in the mountains. So um, I love cars as well. So if I could open up my own car garage, that would be pretty dope. But yeah, we'll see, see where life takes me, I guess. I kind of just roll with the punches. What's your uh, yeah. favorite car? What would you What's say? That? What's your favorite car? What would you say? Man, I was like, I actually recently just bought a um, WRX, but I was like, I, I owned a Skyline for a little bit and I got in way too nice. much trouble. I actually, um, yeah, I, the, the past month has been rough for me, but I recently got done. Um, I, I like had my phone on GPS on my lap um, and just for whatever reason, like this past I think two weeks they've like installed these cameras which can detect phone usage. Sure. Um, so it like picked up on me with my phone on my lap. Um, so I think I have like one point left on the license. How you're, 
yeah, pretty much if I like mess up again, I can't drive in there. Um, yeah, which is pretty rough. Um, but yeah, I got in like a good bit of strife with my skyline um, as a youngster. Um, so yeah, I don't think I should go into those details. It's probably not too good for an image, kids, but I ended up selling that, which is probably like the worst mistake I've ever made because they're worth so much money now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I ended up selling that. And then now that I've like signed my contract and whatever, and I am making a bit of money, I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to buy one again. And yeah. I just couldn't find one, man. And when I moved, cause I was driving my girlfriend's car um, until we split. So I like kind of needed a car when I, when I moved out. So it was just like time pressing, I guess. And I couldn't find a skyline and I ended up just settling for this pretty schmick WRX. But, um, yeah, I think Skyline would be like the one car that I would say above all is my favorite. So one day I'll, I'll end up getting one. Yeah, so you're a big Subaru guy. You are? Big Subaru guy. Man, I would show you mine. It's just outside of the caravan, but it's pitch black right now. Oh, God, yeah. Of course. I'll, I'll send, time zones. I'll tomorrow. Yeah, do it, man. No, that's, that's sick. And uh, also talking about... Um, Dog wise, your first dog. Talking, are you are you a big believer in like rescuing a dog, meeting a dog and knowing like that's the one, or are you thinking like from from like a young from like a puppy and then like being your own? What are you thinking? Yeah, well, I've already got a dog. Oh, yeah, I uh, on Instagram. Brother, keep up. Wait, wait, oh, 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 oh. I've got. I'm good. Yeah, of course I am. It's just, what is it? What's his? Is, is it Stanley the sausage? Yeah, if you Instagram uh, Stanley dot the sausage, um, there's a whole. Oh my god! Yeah, that's him, dude. He's the ultimate wingman, dude. There, there's a few times where like <laughs> I'm walking him with my partner, and she was like right next to me, um, and these girls would like stop and pat him, uh, and they were like. 10 out of 10 girls, you know. Yeah. Um, they would like, they'd be like crouched down patting him and look up at me and be like, man, you must pull so many girls with this <laughs> dog. My girlfriend would be standing there like, what the fuck? <laughs> what, what are you guys on about? <laughs> oh man, Saus- sausage dog would be the dream. That, that, you're living that dream. That, that's oh, so cool. Got such a good personality. I just don't know about getting him to Boulder. I think he's going to have to stay with my parents for a little bit. Man, yeah, yeah. He's still young. He's, I think he's three and a half now. So, yeah, I'll get no. through that next big cycle and then come back and settle down with little Stanley. And hopefully, I've found myself an American wife. Once I get that American yeah. match, well, I've opened up, opened up the three continents. I got Australia. I got Europe with Malta. I need that American really? citizenship. And then I'm I'm Mr. Worldwide. You just need to own that's some simple continent as well. What's that? The African continent? No, you, as you, you just need to own some sheep in every single continent, and then you you've got everything unlocked. <laughs> yeah, I'm working on that. I'm trying to oh convince Drew to let me store some sheep in his backyard. Oh, that would be so easy in Boulder as well. You could get a little herd going. <laughs> Drew being. Uh, I don't know if you've like seen photos of Drew's backyard. This is a funny Drew story, actually, uh, while, we're, while we're telling funny stories. Um, but Drew is like so mature for his age. He's like, he's easily like, 
I don't know, for his years of experience, he's like well beyond what he should be. Um, and he's still like, I'm five years older than him and he still gives me advice, which is incredible. Um, and I've run for pretty much like every company that's out there. I mean, I've like done a lot of stuff by myself. I've seen a lot of things. I've like entered races by myself. I've like negotiated contracts for myself. Um, and this guy is like still giving me advice, which is just incredible. Um, but he's also at the end of the day, 20, I think he's turned 22 now. So he's still so immature. Um, and he has this like fire pit in his backyard and it's like, it's one of those like fake fire pits, I guess, where it's like um, gas and then there's like this steel mesh and then some little like charcoal rocks. Um, and we were like, I forget who was there. It was like, I think Pat had just joined the team or something like that. And we were like, yeah, if you're a real tin man, like you go in and grab like a, one of the rocks. <laughs> and so someone like grabs one from the edge of the fire pit. And Drew's like, we're all sitting around it. And Drew's like sitting a little bit further back. Um, and I was like, oh, yeah, like I can do that. And so I reach in like a little bit further and grab one. Um, and then Drew just starts like screaming out of nowhere and like stands up. And he doesn't even, I, I think he might have grabbed one rock. But he just smacks his hand, like palm fully open, doesn't even try and grab anything right in the middle. <laughs> Holds it there for a little bit, grabs one rock that's like on fire. Uh, and yeah, it's just like, this is the fucking dumbest thing I've ever seen, but just so funny. <laughs> so that's what it takes to be a tin man. So yeah, if, what, yeah, for anyone, listen, for anyone listening, yeah. If you want to join Tin Man, if I, I'm not going to say send a video of you putting your hand into a fire, probably not the best thing. <laughs> But probably not a good idea. Just come to the supervision. We'll have fire extinguishers on the ready. Yeah, or, or just don't do it. I'd just stay away from fire. Maybe. It's probably a true thing, honestly. <laughs> he's, he's Full a, risk assessment going out. I think when we, he did a, it was a really hot day, I think, and he, he posted on his story, he was running indoors on a treadmill and he was wearing like jackets and like, loads of layers and we messaged him like saying why on earth are you wearing all those layers on a treadmill and he just replied something like it's good to hurt or something he just he just said something like along those lines where it's like he needs to test his mentality or something i just found like i wish i had that sort of craziness in me where i decide to wear loads of layers just to feel a bit of pain <laughs> on the treadmill. yeah he is a tough kid man like i i don't think i've really met anyone that could just handle as much like pain as he can there was i was like i mean i ran a pr in february in my 3k and i for sure could have run quicker like i, I led a lot of the races that i ran and uh, they started off a little bit slow and i like kind of wound it up a little bit so i think i was like in 745 shape um and he'd just returned from an injury and had a little bit of time off and i think he'd done like maybe three or four workouts and he was the one guy on the team and everyone else was in pretty good shape that I just couldn't drop. Um, and after like three or four workouts, he was like dropping me. It was just incredible. And he was not at all in the fitness shape to be able to do that. But just in terms of like how much pain he could handle, it was like, I mean, he was overtraining for sure. But yeah, he could just, I don't know. He just doesn't feel pain or he does. And he just doesn't accept that it's there. Yeah, some some runners can just like find some ridiculous part of them where they can hurt themselves, like 
like no one else sort of thing. And it's pretty frightening to see like when, when someone's going to like the depths, like they've really gone yeah. to the well, but they're, they're able to like just, just hurt. Yeah. I, I feel like, yeah, that kid is something special. Yeah, for sure. I would just cool. want, want to do some quick fire questions, like literally short answers, just like snappy ones kind of thing, just to sort of get some, some more like background knowledge out of you. Yeah. It's just a few. So, first one is favorite fruit food slash pre-race food. So obviously you've got your favorite food and then also what's your go-to food for a pre-race as well? Uh, favorite food would be sushi, specifically prawn tempura uh pre-race usually i'm just a spaghetti guy grew up eating spaghetti as a kid so standard carbs love spaghetti. yeah uh, <laughs> next one favorite session favorite session probably five by a mile i reckon five by a mile and some hill sprints is that a cv pace we know uh, yes tom, tom swartz loves the quick yeah. velocity paces Usually CV. I'm a workhorse, dude. I told you. I could do like 400s, and then after that, it's like sort of, it just, it's a weird pain because it's obviously it's quicker than thresholds. So then you're like, you're starting to struggle, but it's like, you can't sort of get into that zone where you're like, I need to hit this hard. And it's, I don't know, it's, yeah. just, it's a weird pace. I guess the idea behind it is that it's like, you get the most aerobic benefit with the least amount of impact, like physical impact on your body. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's it's good to it's good to practice training at that because obviously Tom speaks a bit more into the science of it with all like the muscle fibers, aerobic capacity, and things like that, doesn't he? Which I try yeah. to understand, but yeah, yeah, I, I good. Okay, so next one is favorite music or musician. Favorite music or musician? Both. Just hits with yeah, hits with both if you want. Man, I'm in like two minds. Uh... I really love Queen, but I love rap too, like uh, like XXX Temptation, Juice World. But then I love Queen. I love Stormzy. So it's quite amazing. yeah. I feel like my favorite right now is definitely Juice World. Yeah, yeah. He's releasing a new well, the albums. What his last album's going to release quite soon, isn't it? There's is it already out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's got some. He has some great songs. I've, Really like Juice World, and obviously his last yeah, album for sure. was amazing as well. Um, yeah. Next one is favorite anime. Favorite Ooh. anime. Man, I feel like you guys wouldn't have heard of this. Initial D. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. I, honestly, like it, it's such a like unknown. I used to read like so much manga as well. Uh, yeah. Like I still, I still like watch quite a lot of anime. To be fair. I'm watching Attack on Titan at the moment. Um, oh. Yeah, please don't bully me for being a nerd. Anyone listening to this? But yeah, man, it slaps. <laughs> yeah, I love Initial D. I kind of like got a few of the boys into it as well, and they were loving it. So yeah, Initial D or I guess One Punch Man is just so funny. One Punch Man's a great one. Yes, sir. Mine's the basic Dragon Ball Super, but we don't need to. Oh yeah, I'm I can just fuck with the basic that. guy. Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh! and Dragon Super. So Man, I, I still, I'm, I'm not too cool to say I still play Pokemon on my Nintendo Switch. Yeah. Which yeah, Pokemon? Uh, the new Sword and Shield. 
it's funny when I was when I was traveling to Milrose, I was like um, I was like trading Pokemon with Eric Sawinski in the airport. <laughs> uh, I, I, I've got an emulator on my phone to play it because I don't I don't have a DS or anything, so it's, it's yeah. Play it on my Mac on an emulator. It was sick, but yeah, I got the Switch. Is just so good to travel with, man. I need to invest in one. I think when uh, racing starts up again, it definitely yeah for it. sure. Great purchase. Well, actually, got like sick games on there as well. Like it's not it's not really like anything else. You can play Skyrim and stuff on there, can't you? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I um I play a lot of uh, like Rocket League as well. Yeah, yeah, I play that on the. But man, people bully you if you play any online game on a Switch. We'd like if you play cross platform with PlayStation and Xbox. I mean, video games are like stereotypical, just like lander but yeah they go hard on the switch players we got, we got, yeah i can imagine sorry we got sorry. told you'd probably challenge us at rocket league i think it was by uh craig who said you'd probably challenge us at rocket league if you had the chance yeah you guys down <laughs> I've, I've never played it i've never played rocket league to be fair it's basically just football with cars it does yeah. look good you should put it. it's so hard is it the the mechanics are incredible. My brother is pretty good at it, and I'm like, I mean, I'm like towards the highest end of the ranking. But I think the points system works out that like, I think to get to the highest rank, I'm like a quarter of the way or something like that. Yeah. yeah. What rank are you? What's that? What rank are you? I'm diamond. So it's like just before like champ and then grand champ. Jeez. That's work. That is work. Yeah, man. With all these injuries going on and coronavirus, I feel like I just want to commit full time to to Rocket League. Just become a professional e gamer. True that. True that. It's a lifestyle and a half. I've been bashing COD recently, like aggressively, because there's not a lot else to do. But like, yeah, yeah dude. Man. Let's play. I've been playing Warzone like the, the past couple of weeks. I'm shocking at it, but we <laughs> we we host a tournament with Central and. Um, Pat Casey as well, and um, I think Parker Stinson and Joshua Thompson were all hosting a Warzone tournament with the pros. So we'll have to get you on that. Oh hell yeah! Down to come on, come on and play. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, get on that, man. We just need to sort out all the logistics of it and stuff like Lock that. Lock it in, and then Pokemon tournament after that. Yes, great show. I doubt Centro will play Pokemon, but <laughs> give the people what they want. Give the people what they want because they want yeah. that Pokemon tournament. <laughs> And then the last quick fire question I had was obviously you're quite into your art and like drawing and stuff like that. I was just wondering like, it's quite a weird question, but what is like your favorite thing to like take inspiration from and like draw? Uh, it's weird. I, I mean, I feel like I grew up like really liking graffiti. Yeah. It, it just like aimed with that like skate culture. Um, and it was weird. Like everyone growing up around where I was from, like, it was such a small town and my school was so small, but like half the kids just thought they were gangsters. Um, and so we like just grew up just going around with spray cans, spraying shit. Um, and I guess that's like where my art kind of stems from. And I would always like make little stencils and stuff and spray them everywhere. Uh, and then I got into like, um, like paint pen graffiti and that sort of stuff. But I feel like it's somewhere between like that. Um, and I guess just like anime, um and then i just love all the like the rap artists nowadays use that like anime style for their um album covers like all the juice world stuff and like trippy red and that sort of stuff um is like 
I guess I'm like somewhere between anime and that like realistic cartoon style. Yeah. Yeah, I feel, I feel like a lot of rappers really love anime. It's sort of like a... Loads of celebrities as well just seem to love, absolutely love anime. It's just, it's just crazy how something what's obviously just come from one small part of the world is just like yeah. well-known like everywhere. Do you listen to it? Well, sub- a, do you like listen to it I, subtitled? Or Korean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like everyone likes anime and enjoys it, but it gets to that point where it's like, okay, if I'm like trying to fit in, anime might actually not seem that cool but then when rappers and and these like celebrities get to that level they're like fuck it i'm cool i i like whatever i want um yeah they're like happy to say that they like anime and that sort of stuff um yeah i feel like it's just that's just like the way it goes kind of thing is when people are trying to fit in they're like ashamed of saying that they like pokemon but i feel like more people like it than than you would think yeah yeah 100 percent. especially our generation as well like i grew up playing pokemon um, yeah when i was like traveling to and from competition i think the closest aesthetic track to where i grew up is seven hours um, so my dad would like drive me down to our state championships which is seven hours and sometimes we would just drive throughout the night i would race that day and then he would drive me back so committed to it um, i would just always be like in the passenger like thrashing the Pokemon on Game Boy Color. So I feel yes. like our generation grew up with it. And then, yeah, I, I don't even know if the younger generation are playing it anymore. They're all like, they're like TikTok and all that sort of shit. But, it's a shame. Um, a real shame. Yeah. Dreadful. None of them even know what Nintendo's, Nintendo DS is. It's <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I never owned a Nintendo DS. I guess like I'm hypocritical in saying that I went through that stage where I'm like, oh, that's not that cool. And I'm like, hang on, I actually enjoy playing that. Like, I don't really care what people think. Um, yeah. And now make it cool again. So once I get Pokemon cool, then then it's time to get track cool. Yeah. 100%. Oh. It's probably honestly easier to make Pokemon cool than track cool at this stage. But Well, I mean, track's just... It needs to... We need to have some sort of teams, like... I feel like this is getting spoken about a lot recently, but, like, do like team events sort of obviously you've got the i think in the u.s there's like the club cross country world champ at uh, cross country champs isn't there or something like that yeah I yeah they get like, that. we need to have like a diamond league of actually a team league of like teams yeah like, that would you know, be, i feel like that would get a lot more supporters behind the teams and stuff but yeah i mean just in distance running i feel like it cuts off at middle distance there's just not much personality in distance running is there no there's the Ingebritsons, but they're like kind of low key. You don't really ever know what they're doing. You got Bucci, pretty funny, and I actually really enjoyed his um like YouTube series that he was making the vlog. Um, but yeah, outside of that, there's like not really anyone. Yeah, so weird because everyone gets drilled in. Like whenever whenever I've gone on like like a team for GB, you get drilled into you like how are you supposed to be in front of the media. And it's like, it's, it's just so boring. It's like, why, why would you want to be like that? Yeah, I mean, like, I'm not one for, like, starting inappropriate, like, rivalries. And like, I, I would never just, like, target someone just for the sake of it to draw attention to myself. Um, so, 
yeah, I feel like the the Chalimo and Lopez beef just kind of came about on its own. I don't think anyone was like, hey, we kind of need some more like hype in this sport. But I know some people that have like definitely tried to do that in the past, just just for the clout kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, like as an Australian, I would never like swear in front of my parents. But um, yeah, like Australians have a pretty bad like sense of humor, I guess. Um, I, I mean, you Brits are kind of the same. Um, but I feel like we never get to like show that side of us in track and field just because yeah. it is censored, you know? Um, yeah. whereas like some, if I go down like the local store or the pub down here and talk to some Australian guy, every second word is fuck. But yeah. <laughs> I would never say that in an interview, um, except for this one apparently right now, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean like this, there's, there's not that side of someone and that's what I mean. Like there are cool people in track and field but it's just that like one kind of generic cool that is kind of molded for you you know yeah so maybe i'll be the cool guy with the face tats who knows true that true that yeah i'm not this this loquacious on uh on these podcasts usually i just let you guys ask the questions but man i've been rattling off some some stories and stuff so i'm sorry if it's going in all sorts of directions it's fine that's what we want perfect perfect that's what we want have you guys spoken to to coach swartz yet well can i say a funny story about that um we haven't and i don't think he likes us (laughs) basically we we obviously we've tried posting educational stuff as well so obviously we know tom um Coach Swartz, I know, I know he doesn't like being called Tom, does he, compared to Coach? Um, yeah. yeah, I have to like, I have to really think about that because I yeah. always start to say to Coach Swartz. Coach. <laughs> so we looked at some stuff, um, like we just looked up, obviously he's done quite a lot of stuff online before, and there was this PDF online where it was just, you could just access it. So we screenshotted like a, a snippet of it and was like, just to show on our second post, and I think he wasn't aware that that was available online. And I think he thought yeah. that we we somehow got through a payment wall to get that training and then post it on our Instagram. So there was a whole situation where he basically had to go at us for posting that, and then he just ignores us now. So it's it, we're at that stage at the minute. But in fairness, he commented on our recent post about his calculator saying like some big improvements are coming i think we're slowly trawling it back kind of thing yeah yeah no i think he's like i think he's a fan um but yeah he's a bit like yeah in terms of like technology and stuff sometimes he doesn't quite understand that side of things but like that's just like that generation yeah Uh, but yeah he he doesn't hold a grudge from what I've gathered from him. He's a pretty good guy, so I don't think we have any problems. But yeah, if you ever do get him on, you could just ask one question and he'll he'll go on a, well, a street podcast. Oh yeah, Worth of- he's he's pretty incredible to talk to. But I can't like you really need to get him on a podcast rather than a conversation because you have to listen to that thing like four or five times back to understand. He's so intelligent. Yeah. Well, well, we've had we've had two Tim men on now, so we're we're praying that 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 he'll uh, he'll hear our calls, praying. Yeah, so that'll be sick to get him on. Or he might hate you more after this one. You've you've gotten me into some 
<laughs> some weird stories. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll blacklist him from the from listening to it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> now he really hates us. Cheers, Alfie. Great work. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well just call him Tom while we're here. Oh God! Oh, no. oh you've done it now. <laughs> Smooth. I had an injury after indoors in March. Um, and then I was like kind of all clear to get back after that. And then I split with my partner um, and we've been together for like just a bit over five years. Uh, so that was like kind of pretty hard, I guess. And I just like, I don't know, for whatever reason, just didn't feel like getting back and running. Yeah. Um, it took so much time off that when I did start to come back like a month ago now, I just... Yeah, I kind of like got into it a little bit too quick, I guess, and um, ended up with, I think I have like a stress reaction in my shin now. So, yeah, it's been pretty shitty. Yeah, man, that's that's a tough one. Running to a weird one for all that as well, because it's like, it's annoying having to get back gradually. Like, it's it's not it's not easy to be, to kind of like try and run slow and try and run at like 40% and all that sort of stuff. And then it's also such a ridiculously tough sport for your head as well, isn't it? But yeah, well, I feel like usually it's like I, it helps clear my head usually, but I feel like because I wasn't running well at the time of like all that personal stuff going on, they just like the burden of actually trying to get back and build up my mileage and stuff with everything else was just like too much for me. Um, and then, yeah, like, I mean, I wasn't even doing that much mileage. I was like walk jogging. I think I had my first 30 minute run. Um, and then, yeah, my shin just kind of popped and yeah, that was, that was it. And just with all the virus stuff going on at the moment, like I'm, I'm pretty lucky that my parents, um, when I moved out, turned my bedroom into a gym. Um, and since I, my partner, I kind of, I'm living in a caravan right now at the front of their place. Um, so I get to use the gym, but yeah, in terms of like, normally when I'm injured, I would aqua jog and all the pools are being closed. So. Yeah, I literally have not been doing much at all, which is, I mean, it's okay at the moment, but it's kind of shitty at the same time. Yeah, I've just had like I've just had a similar shin injury. It was like it was very close to a stress fracture. Luckily, just like a response that was just before kind of thing. Uh, yeah, I was shitting it. I was so scared. <laughs> like it's it's just it's just one of those things where you, you don't know whether. I don't know, it's a weird place because it could be so many different things and you're like, ah, fuck it, it'll be all right. Maybe, maybe not. But I've like, I, I went so many years injury free and just this last like, pretty much like last year almost, I've just had so much shit go wrong and it's all just been like from my left calf down, like all just left foot, left ankle. And it's just like, yeah, it's been driving me crazy. Like, Goose has actually said, whoever listened to all this podcast, he'll marry them. So if you've got this far, just send Goose a DM saying, well, we've been marriage requests and I'm sure he'll get back to you. 